Have you ever said something so silly you immediately regretted it? Or done something so embarrassing you thought you'd never get over it? It's funny, isn't it? How life's most embarrassing moments can sometimes become great educators if we let them. They can teach us so many things, not least of which is to take ourselves a lot less seriously. In today's episode of Rags of Light, I'll share with you the tender story of a very gracious couple who showed me that in the grand scheme of things, there are way more important things in this life than my fragile ego. This is called Surely to Goodness. I'm Mark Giuliano, and you're listening to Rags of Light, where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light our way. Shoulder to shoulder, I know we'll find a way. There are days that I'm surprised to find myself once again doing battle with that seemingly natural desire to control the situation, to manage the outcome, to decide the destination, to find the path, and step by step, block by block, inch by inch, plot a detailed course for my life. I'm talking about a certain predisposition from which we all suffer our inclination to be God. And I say once again, because I've experienced over and over throughout my lifetime numerous bouts of divinus cum desiderio, a desire to be God. Maybe I rationalize. Just maybe this time I really can be the duke of my destiny, the master of my fate. Maybe, after all, I am the captain of my own ship, though I know absolutely nothing about sailing. To me, a clipper is what you use to give your kid a haircut. No, when it comes down to it, God's got this without me trying to grab hold of the rudder. But to be fair, God's got way more experience with this sort of thing than I do. God's had the position since God set the whole wonderful universe spinning. Put the stars in their courses, separated light from darkness, heavens above from earth below, the waters from the terra firma. You go, God! But still, I forget every now and then. I try to be God, and when I fail, I beat myself up worse than a kid on a bozo bop punching bag. Take what happened the day that Shelley's parents, Chris and Jan, asked me to pray for their daughter in church one Sunday morning many years ago. Chris and Jan's daughter, Shelley, was an amazing person, a true champion. She was a courageous young woman who'd been living with cancer for about a third of her life. 
undergoing all sorts of tests and treatments, flying from her remote town to visit specialists in faraway cities, learning more about her illness than anyone else in the world. Shelley was 11 years young. Our entire congregation was pulling for Shelley and for her family. They were good folks, faithful people, the sorts that you prayed hard for because they're an important part of your life and the life of your church family. And everybody knew them. Everybody loved them. Shelley and her brother were active in the congregation's youth programs. Chris and Jan, her parents, both sang in the choir and volunteered in more mission programs that you could count on all your fingers and toes. I was just a student pastor at the time. I felt very much like the kid that indeed I was. I wanted to do well. I wanted to preach good sermons, to be a good teacher and leader in the congregation. And I wanted to be a good pastor and a friend Even though I was so wet behind the ears, most of the time I had water running down my neck. This particular Sunday, worship was just getting ready to start. Like the wind from an opening door, I rushed past a crowd in the vestibule on my way into the sanctuary. My Bible and a hundred or so sermon notes tucked beneath my arm. My little sheets of paper, scribbled notes containing deep thoughts and world-saving ideas fluttered behind me as I breezed by. At that moment, my focus was entirely on getting to the front of the church and getting through one of my very first sermons without throwing up. From out of a small crowd of somber-looking folks huddled in a circle by the front door, Jan's hand reached out and grabbed my arm. She stopped me on my path toward the front of the church. Pulling me aside, she spoke to me in somber tones. She told me what a terrible night her daughter Shelley had just had. If things didn't improve, Shelley would have to be airlifted to a major hospital hours away. Jan implored me, Mark, would you please lift Shelley in prayer this morning? Of course, of course, I responded without hesitation. I expressed sincere concern, and then I continued on my hurried journey up to the front of the church, reminding myself not to puke when I stood up to speak. I'm pleased to say that the only things that did come out of my mouth that morning were the words of Scripture and the words of my somewhat well-crafted sermon, which quite honestly probably sounded like a first-year seminary report on the importance of the Greek conjugation chi and why that was so important to us today. Oh, brother. In other words, those who remained awake for all 7.5 minutes of my sermon probably did so out of mercy, or perhaps because it was entertaining to them to watch me go down in flames. But did I care? Hardly. I thought I was the best thing to hit the pulpit since Billy Graham. I imagined myself delivering a prophetic message with more passion than the great American prophet, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I was as puffed with pride as a cheese souffle fresh from the oven. I even heard a little voice in my own head saying, Gee, Mark, I think you really hit that sermon out of the park. 
So distracted was I by my Texas-sized ego that when I launched into my prayers of the people, the prayer after the sermon, I completely forgot who it was that I was supposed to be praying for that morning. I knew it was that kid, the 11-year-old girl who the previous night had fought for her own dear life. I'd been to her home, sat on the living room couch and prayed with her and her family just a week or so before. But now I was experiencing a brain freeze, a total mind block in front of the entire congregation. Inside, though, I was turning to God for the cliff notes. Please, Lord, slip me the answer. What's her name? What's her name? Come on, I know her name. I knew I was getting close, and so I went for it. And Lord, we especially lift in prayer today young Shirley, Shirley. who had a rough night last night. As soon as the name came out of my mouth, Shirley, I knew it was a swing and a miss. Her name wasn't Shirley, it was Shelley. In my imagination, I heard a collective gasp from the room full of worshipers as they listened in on my major faux pas. Oh, the horrors! My face went flush with embarrassment. I even winced with pain. How could I let her parents down? They'd had such a rough night with their daughter and then come to worship weary and in need of a simple prayer. And I blew it. Ugh! After worship, I stood at the back of the church and shook hands and greeted worshipers as they made their way to the parking lot. On my face, I wore the best, most cheery smile that I could muster until my cheeks hurt. But inwardly, I was still beating myself up. I would have kicked myself in the shins if I could have figured out how to do that. As the line shortened and Shelley's parents, Chris and Jan, got closer to me, I prepared myself to face the music. I'm so sorry, I confessed to Jan when they stood before me. I can't believe I messed up Shelley's name. I turned to Shelley's dad, Chris, and apologized to him, too. Chris, I'm so sorry that I let you guys down. But something odd happened that morning when I stood with Chris and Jan there in the vestibule of the church. Better yet, the thing I expected didn't happen. Shelley's mom didn't rake me over the coals. She didn't judge or criticize me. No. In fact, Jan offered something to me that day that I will cherish forever. A gift. A gift of both grace and truth all in her one breath. Mark, that's okay, she assured me. God knew exactly who you were praying for. And just like that, I was absolved, forgiven, The burden of my embarrassment had been lifted. The self-inflicted bruises to my ego could now begin to heal. But more importantly, Jan gave me permission going forward to take myself a whole lot less seriously. Sure, I make mistakes, and sometimes at the worst possible moments. 
Let's not forget Chris and Jan were terribly worried about their daughter. But by the grace of God, working through two very kind souls, I discovered that there are times I just need to get over myself. The story really isn't about me anyway. It's about others, their hurts, their pain, and their need for a little comfort, hope, and peace. I have a motto for my life, an axiom that I would argue is the most important rule of faith, and it's this. There is a God, and I'm not it. And by the way, you aren't either. So relax and enjoy the ride. Let God be God, and you just try to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. And when you slip, or when you trip, remember that God's grace is sufficient in all matters. There's even enough grace for you and for me. It's been decades since that day I stuck my size 10 Sunday shoe in my mouth during the morning prayer. I'm glad that it happened. I'm forever grateful to Shelley's parents, Chris and Jan, who were there to help me get it unstuck with a shoehorn in the shape of kindness and understanding. They taught me that even when I get it wrong, God always gets it right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jane. Um, I mean Jan. Hey everybody, Mark Giuliano here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Rags of Light. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend or family member, or someone who might need just a little inspiration today. Rags of Light, where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light the way. Shoulder to shoulder.